0: Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblak.
1: Welcome back to the podcast for cultural reformation I'm Nathan Oblak, and I'm joined in studio by Ryan Aris and Dr. Joe Boot, and uh, I'm I'm particularly glad to be uh, back this week, as I am the uh, most recent victim of climate change, and totally lost my voice over the weekend. It and, was uh, touch and go there for a while, wasn't it? It was, yes. It's spreading like wildfire, you might say. Oh. <laughs> Did you have a temperature? <laughs> too soon? (laughs) It might be. (laughs) All I could manage was a a faint carbon. (laughs) But here we are back for back for another episode. And uh, just before we get into uh, our discussion today, uh, as as we're approaching the end of the year, I know the three of us, we've been reflecting a lot uh, on the podcast and uh, I don't think any of us would ever have envisioned that uh, it would have grown to what it has become today. And we're, we're truly thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're, we're really grateful for all of the people that have been listening uh, this season. And uh, at, at this point, as, as we near the end of the year, there, there are two things we would, we would ask of our, our listeners. And the first would be, we'd, we'd love to receive um, some feedback um, from our listeners on, on the podcast. Uh, what have you appreciated Uh, Thus far, Um, how could we improve? What would you like to hear more about? And uh, we we continue to receive um, a lot of emails here, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna
2: stick with our reformational philosophy, though. Like we're not uh, they they can ask, but (laughs) right, right, we're we're not gonna
1: budge on that one. (laughs) So we'd love to we'd love to hear uh, hear from you. again, we we are striving to improve the podcast with each episode, so we we'd appreciate your help with that. And the second thing we would ask is uh, that you'd you'd consider partnering with us uh, on our mission uh, of cultural reformation by considering us in your in your end of year giving. And uh, we've mentioned before that any amount would be tremendously helpful um, as we're we're trying to improve the podcast. and and we would like to put a lot of that money toward improving. Uh, our recording equipment. And uh, if you're interested in donating to the ministry, uh, you can click on the donate button. It's in the top right corner of the homepage on our website, www.ezrainstitute.ca. And uh, just speaking of emails, uh, like I had mentioned, they've continued to pile in to us. Uh, and we thought we'd spend another episode um, attempting to answer some of these, these questions that we've been getting. And I know the the last time we tried this, we got through two questions. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna go for at least three. We uh, uh, <laughs> we talk big
2: about the number of questions we've received, and then we uh, <laughs> you know sift through them trying to <laughs> trying to find the gold. Yeah, it,
1: it's all on you, Joe. Well, <laughs> I'll take the blame. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to shortchange yes, our uh, our. Our listeners, and um, you know, we want them to join the uh, the mission with mm-hmm. us, join the movement, right? Where this is about cultural reformation. It's mm-hmm. about the kingdom of God. It's about the lordship of Jesus Christ, and um, we can't continue this work without uh, the help of our listeners. So, mm. in every respect, that's right. So, let, yeah. you know, let's uh, join together, and as we head towards a, a new year. Uh, enter the new year with even greater earnestness than mm-hmm. than this past year, as we uh, deploy reformational thinking in uh, the the task and the mandate of cultural renewal to mm-hmm. the glory of God.
1: Yeah, and uh, as we look at uh, some of these emails, uh, we've had several uh, about this uh, this particular theme, but it's it's Bill C four, and we we talked at length about this in the previous episode, but as we we uh, were discussing that, it had uh, passed unanimously through the House, and uh, during the podcast it sat before uh, the Senate, and we learned right after recording the episode that uh, another conservative MP uh, made the motion to uh, fast-track the bill through the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, which it did with unanimous consent, uh, and at that point all it needed was Royal assent, which it has now also received, yep. and will now pass into law uh probably by early January. Mm-hmm. So it was a sobering uh reality that we uh had to reflect on shortly after the episode, and we've got a lot of questions about that bill. And uh why don't we start with this one, Joe? But uh This actually sums up a lot of the questions that have come in um, regarding the bill. But what is is the motivating factor surrounding this bill and the eager push? uh, And we've seen it from both Liberals and the Conservative Party in Canada to get this bill pushed through and into law.
0: Well, actually, I did a a show today uh, with Ali Beth Stuckey. Um, on uh, I think she's on Blaze TV. That's and, right. Uh, has a has a podcast. I think she's a regular contributor to Fox News as well, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on this bill. And I think that uh, last week we 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 predicted actually that uh, it would likely be fast tracked through the Senate as well. Mm-hmm. That they'd want in on this uh, this mutual glorification action um, uh, across the floor and uh
1: we were surprised it was a conservative mp again yeah the the
0: well a conservative Mm -hmm. senator this time right Um, that's right sorry yeah pushing it pushing it through uh which you know is 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 deeply troubling on the face of it because what we're beginning to see and i mean this has been happening for some time and we've talked about it before although i'm not sure you should be talking about it nathan as you're dragging uh, the church into politics again. Is that what you're trying to do with this question? I'm I'm concerned about yeah, that.
2: He'll uh, he'll never stop. <laughs> just <laughs> just keeps doing I make this. No apologies. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: the one of the big concerns here is that uh, we are seeing the the breakdown of an effective political opposition. Uh, in Canada, and the gradual merging of the political platforms of um, the major parties, so that the official opposition, which is supposed to be the Conservative Party, which is meant to the whole purpose of um, uh, an, an opposition in a constitutional monarchy in in in, in, a, in a, uh, a parliamentary democracy is that every bill is scrutinized, Mm. questions are asked, Uh, the details are gone into, Uh, the revisions uh, or changes are analyzed, Mm -hmm. that uh, the the, the agenda of the government is held up to scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Now, when that starts to end, when criticism ends, and this is what we're starting to see now, You saw it just before the election when all of the party leaders made this sort of really hokey, cringeworthy, get the jab statement where they were telling everybody to go and get jabbed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was no, the only person, the only political leader in any kind of uh, opposition or questioning uh, mandates was barred from the debate. Mm. And, and we've seen um, uh, basically the death of social conservatism within the Conservative Party. We have a situation where, with Bill C-6, which is the previous incarnation of Bill C-4, there were 62 MPs that had voted against it. Then in the, when the break happened, and Parliament breaks up for uh, the, the uh, prior to coming together again in the fall here, and Bill C6 died and was reintroduced as Bill C4. The bill got worse, so it it moved on from simply uh, being a uh, a ban on um, so-called conversion therapy for uh, children, mm-hmm. but to also a ban, and I don't know whether people even fully appreciate this, a total ban even on adults, consenting adults, having any kind of counsel, therapy, service, treatment anything of any kind um which would be in a normative direction in terms of uh, a christian biblical historically western view of male and female and a normative gender distinctions and uh, normative human sexuality between man and woman
2: so pause on that for a second joe uh, and maybe unpack it a little bit are you saying that under this law if a if a man a full grown man has decided to like live and act and identify as a woman for a time. And then decides that, uh, no, he would rather live as a man as he was born. And he's seeking counseling or help or some kind of, yeah, some kind of help to, to make that transition back. If I, if that's or the language I want to use, the yeah. transition that it, he would be, Legally, that uh, that somebody would be legally prohibited from from counselling him that way. That's mm.
0: precisely correct. Yeah, so this is a this is a uh, an anti-conversion law, an con- anti-conversion to Christianity right. law. That's mm. what it is. It's Conversion not in a normative direction. Yeah, yeah, because the the schools and the therapists and the counsellors are able to convert you away from your normative understanding of male and female mm. of um uh. uh uh, male, female identity of heterosexual uh, normative relationships. Uh, uh, they, the, the, they can't. You can be counseled away from that. You can be pulled away from that actively. Hmm. Um, you can be educated away from that. But should you be a person who has unwanted desires mm-hmm. and you want help with it uh, to uh, go in a normative, creational direction of male and female? To affirm your chromosomes, your biology, the body you were born with, you see, sex is not something assigned at birth, as the legislation says, as though some doctor comes comes through and goes, "Hmm, let me check. I will assign a gender identity to this individual." No, the first question you ask when a child is born is, "Is it a boy or a girl?" Mm. Right? That—that's uh, you know the, the the incredibly rare cases uh, uh, the, in which an actual specialist has to be called in to determine the sex of a child, a baby, are incredibly rare. A fraction of a percent. Yeah. So, uh, no, this is an anti-conversion law, and as you said, Ryan, yes, that's exactly the way it functions. Such a person who would, would not be able to find any help being advertised, and if somebody sought to provide that individual with help in a detransition, they would be committing a criminal act mm. that could leave them in prison for up to five years. So... Uh, I can't remember quite where I was going with that prior to the uh the the, the redirection there of that question. Apologies. Um, that's no problem. Um but uh the the essence of this bill um and it's that's right, we were talking about um the change from bill C six to bill C four. Um it, it got more draconian, got more restrictive, and yet the opposition goes from having 62 votes against the bill, yeah. to not a single MP nor a single senator then in the Senate, offering a one, so much as a peep, so much as one dissenting voice. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that the political culture and the progressive culture has in Canada has become so oppressive, it's become so um, domineering, it's become so hegemonic, in this area, that uh, we have a situation where we know because we've spoken to certain MPs who've literally said it is an act of personal political suicide Mm -hmm. to have stood against this bill. And you saw the reaction, they're all clapping, they're hugging, they're embracing across the aisle. And why do I say this is is troubling, this is disturbing? Because whether you look at economics, whether you look at uh, the state overreach in pandemic response, whether you look now at the um, collapse of uh, any sort of um, pro-life voice, um, and now this 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 uh, uni- unanimous ratification of the most totalitarian uh, freedom-destroying bill ever introduced into the uh, into Canadian law. Uh, it appears now that the the queen's official opposition doesn't exist. Right, mm-hmm. it, it
1: feels as if we're in a one party system, and it, and that's yeah, what yeah. I mean
0: is yeah. that we now feel as though whether when we look at almost across the board with just shades of red, it's like a right. one mm-hmm. party state. Mm. Now, what is that? Well, and historically red is
2: the uh, the liberals in Canada? Yeah, that's for right. our American
0: right. uh, for yeah. our American listeners, that's the the liberals, the progressives, and that's a form of fascism, right? When you have essentially one-party politics, no effective opposition, uh, and you also have this powerful uh, welding of corporate interests, and of course it's been the corporations that have also driven this radical Mm -hmm. uh, queer theory agenda, um, through whether it's banks, um, businesses, uh, major corporations, they've driven this agenda. And when you have a merger of government... And corporatism, hmm. with a singular agenda, you have fascism. And uh, that is um, that is the disturbing reality right now that is Canada. There is no effective political opposition, um, and that's why people feel, many people across the country feel, utterly betrayed that not a single MP or senator stood up for Freedom, and it's not just about the freedom of the church or the freedom of the Christian family or freedom of families to raise their children. This is also about the freedom of people who are struggling with all kinds of sexual addiction, all kinds of confusion and dysphoria, who are now disallowed. They no longer enjoy the freedoms of the of other Canadians. They cannot seek the counsel and help that they want because anybody who would be who would dare to advertise it to them or offer them counsel uh, is facing criminal penalties, and prison time now for doing so. And I think it's, it's obviously quite hard for some of our American, yeah. uh, maybe even some of our British listeners, to um, to, to comprehend mm-hmm. that this is how far it has now gone mm-hmm. uh, in well, Canada.
1: A lot of our communications that came through were simply, we heard about the bill on your podcast, we looked at the actual bill from the government website, Tell us this isn't real, we want to hear from you that this is an actual bill yeah. that is passed in yeah. your country. They can't believe it yeah,
0: well, when you ask you know you asked what 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 is it that the the questioner actually says what 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 fundamental is it that's lying behind this right. bill yeah what ultimately is it
2: what's the ground motive mm-hmm. right yeah
0: and uh of course, this takes us back to um thank you for that doya Verde hint there Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Uh, It it obviously takes us back to this nature freedom uh, dialectic of the modern world. Mm -hmm. We have a deterministic nature that gives us our chromosomes and our biology, but we've also got the radical freedom of the human personality. So how can we use the tools of the sciences to reinvent society, social order uh, in terms of the radical autonomy of the human personality. That's how it fits into the Reformational framework. And from a um, a religious point of view, the preamble says it all mm. about the driving motive because mm. it's right there in the bill. And it says this, and I think maybe Ryan, you read this before we read this the other uh, week That's to right. us, but it says that uh, whereas conversion therapy causes harm to society because, among other things, it is based on and propagates myths and stereotypes about sexual orientation gender identity and gender expression including the myth that heterosexuality cisgender identity which is their term for male and female mm-hmm. um you need a phd in queer queer theory just to understand the legislation uh, cisgender identity and gender expression that can conf- that uh, conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over sexual orientations gender identities and gender expressions in other words the the bill clearly says the Christian view of re of reality, of creation order, of male and female, God's word, is a myth. Mm. Not only that, it's a damaging myth. And anybody who suggests that you should conform to that over against any particular desire that you might have is a propagator of myths and a danger to society. And so, you know, you can um, I I would recommend that people look up the bill, read it for themselves, because there are some very there's stuff that we haven't touched on on the podcast Mm -hmm. in this bill around um, the uh, the representation of written material or recording um, copies of which are kept in premises within the jurisdiction of the court is an advertisement for conversion therapy. In other words, uh, if you've got a written material or a a podcast or video material or whatever, this is going to get captured within this this criminal legislation. Um, Advertisement of conversion therapy basically means any material, this is in the bill, including photographic, film, video, audio, or other recordings made by means, by any means, a visual representation or any written material that is used to promote... Or advertise, not just advertise, but to promote conversion therapy, which is defined mm. as any service, any therapy, any treatment. That could be prayer, prayer council, visiting your pastor, um, a book that's been written about um, gender identity or or human sexuality, maybe Nancy Piercy's Love Thy Body, mm. which I thoroughly recommend mm-hmm. uh, to uh, anybody listening on this issue. Um These things would all be captured in terms of this legislation um, as potentially things that are promoting conversion therapy. Um, And then in terms of the definition of, of conversion therapy, it means a practice, undefined, treatment, undefined, service, undefined, that's designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, that's simply recognition of male and female, Change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth, in other words, their actual biological identity. Uh, repress or reduce non heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. So anything that even reduces. And then repress a person's non cisgender gender identity. Repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform with the sex assigned at the person's birth. Um, and then. Um, if you uh, dare to um, promote anything along this line, you're captured by the bill. So it's uh, it's it's a it's an incredibly dangerous piece of legislation, and what's driving it fundamentally is the goal of the total overturning of God's creation order and a ban on conversion to Christianity for people uh, in these lifestyles. That's what it is. And why would I say that with such uh, boldness? Because Paul says so in 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, he, he lists, and I encourage our listeners to go and read First Corinthians 6, look at what St. Paul says about various sins, one of which is sexual immorality, homosexuality. There are various other sins in there too, including adultery and other things. And he says, and such were some of you, mm-hmm. but you were washed, you were sanctified, uh, you were justified. And that is the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is to repent sexual immorality sexual sin change your life change your behavior be conformed by the power of the holy spirit to god's order that's the core that's the call of the christian message so this bill is an attempt to criminalize the gospel make no mistake Mm -hmm. to criminalize the call of the gospel um and uh you know i mean Karl marx was crystal clear that if you want to um destroy the holy Family uh which is to say the 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 Lord Jesus Christ uh the uh the the, tr- the triune relationship of God himself um you have to destroy the earthly family he said in theory and in practice and so what's happened is we have a, we have legit we have the legislative branch here has bought hook line and sinker the. Radical queer ideology of radical feminists who hate Christianity with a passion, like Judith Butler, Mm -hmm. who basically told our culture, Mm -hmm. sex is fictive. It's a social construction. It's an invention Mm -hmm. of white, heterosexual, um, capitalist, Christian men, Mm -hmm. and they created a language regime of male and female, father, mother, marriage, uh, parent, etc., 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 Um, and this language regime, hence the war about pronouns of even, you know, he and she, um, are, uh, oppressive and we need to be liberated, Mm -hmm. uh, like the lemon, you know, being liberated of his tail or the, uh, the, the, the elephant of his tusks or the man of his testicles, this kind of liberation destroys that which it claims to liberate, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it aims to be a liberation movement from creational norms which is what we talk about constantly on the podcast that's the goal uh because there's no social revolution without sexual revolution so to bring about their utopian dream of an anti-god anti-christ order that destroys creational normativity overturns the family destroys the church uh for that society to be realized they must implement this sexual revolution and that's going to involve criminalizing anybody who should even uh Suggest that somebody conform themselves, Mm. be counseled to conform themselves and to repent of sin and conform to the Christian norm. And uh, with that, uh, bear in mind that um, the the criminal penalties being brought to bear now, you go back to 1968, 1969 was when homosexual practice was decriminalized Mm. in Canada Mm. in the late 1960s. And what was said at that time was simply that people want to be left simply alone to be able to practice their own sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what our, our parents' generation was told. That's all this is about. It's not about radically altering the family, radically altering society, and so on. And then we were told it was just about civil partnerships. It's not marriage, but we do need to recognize civil partnerships. And, and the... People of the country again said yes. Let's let's allow um, uh, these you know these civil partnerships. Then it was we needed to redefine marriage, and then what did you know? Again, much of the Christian community, much of the church, backs down again, um, and many church movements even have accepted so-called gay marriage. That isn't, of course, marriage by any biblical definition. Um, and uh, following this. Um, hot on the heels of the recognition of this as marriage is you're a criminal. If you dare to counsel somebody to conform their life to what God says for God, what the Lord Jesus Christ says to what all of scripture says is the norm for human identity and human sexuality. Mm. And if you counsel somebody in those terms, you are a criminal and you're going to prison. You think about that mm-hmm. in, in 50 years. And I write about this in my book, Mission of God. In 50 years, we've gone from sodomy as a criminal offense to you are a criminal. Mm. If you counsel somebody that there are actually only two sexes, mm. male and female, mm-hmm. and that God's best intention for your life is a normative, creational, a heterosexual relationship, male and female, in the permanent bond of marriage. Right, yeah. Uh, Propagating
2: myths. And that's
0: now a myth. Right. So you can see how when the worldview issue is not adequately engaged by Christians culturally, Mm -hmm. when we don't recognize what's going on and you allow legal revolution. Yeah,
1: and slow incremental steps in an anti-normative direction. That's correct. Right.
0: Then yeah, and you think, terrible. oh, this isn't serious. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. That's not a gospel right. issue. Right. No
1: worries. No, that's not a problem.
0: Right. Keep yeah. the politics out of the pulpit. Yeah. Don't put your lawn sign up, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As, as these incremental steps mm-hmm. lead to the point where now those pastors who thought to themselves, if I just ecclesiasticize the Bible, if mm-hmm. I just keep... Scripture in the church. If mm. I just keep teaching about, you know, um, you know, marriage mm-hmm. in my church, all will go well. All will be mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And yeah. now the state has just reached right into the heart of the pastor's mm. uh, vest- vestry, right. Uh, right into the heart of the pastor's study, and says, mm. "You will not counsel somebody to conform their life to Christian standards, and if you do, you are a criminal." and we can send you to prison for five years. That's mm-hmm. what this bill means. Mm-hmm. That's what's driving it.
1: Right, well, and ju- just, sorry to jump in there, deal. Ryan, but on, on that point, you know, sadly, now, uh, we have a lot of pastors and Christians in Canada recogn- recognizing the dangerous nature of this bill. How, how are we now to confront this, that it's, it's now going to be written into our legal code in just a few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think it
0: becomes law, as you said, early January mm-hmm. after uh, having received royal assent. Mm-hmm. So um, the, uh, the reality is m- many Christian leaders and pastors across this country won't even know what Bill C4 is. They're mm-hmm. so out of touch with what is going on right. around them um, that uh, they will not even be aware of what this is. Um, some will be vaguely aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: you get the sense it's a lot of people in their congregations who are alerting, tugging at them saying, you yeah, got to pay attention to this. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, I mean, the way forward, obviously, I think inevitably there will be a constitutional challenge. Um, based on what we saw in the House of Commons and in the Senate, though, I do not, and I don't don't hold your breath on Canadian yeah. courts striking down this piece of legislation. Right. Not when you look at what the Supreme Court just did with Trinity Western University. Yeah, right. Uh, with respect to religious freedom there. I don't see the courts striking this down uh, at all. Um, so it's incumbent upon the church of Jesus Christ to preach, first and foremost, the truth of the fullness of the gospel that includes the revelation of Father, Son, the familial revelation of who God is, Holy Spirit, the, the, the meaning of marriage, its significance with Christ and his church, and what God requires of us, and to call people to repentance. If we don't do that now, it is a very, very short step from here, if we're not partially there already, mm-hmm. to preaching in the church being criminal right. on this issue. Mm-hmm. And with Bill C-36 coming down the pipe, which is a censorship bill as well, um, this, this struggle is far from over. So the church, the only way the church can resist is to continue to preach the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm.
2: That's the thing. Right. Like one of, One of the big ironies that I notice is first of all like, how, how fragile is your worldview that you need such punitive protections around it that uh, if anybody speaks against it then uh, they they're facing a prison sentence yeah and the thing the, the other thing is that you know they're they're absolutely right. like you were saying the gospel destroys an unbelieving uh, gender identity. Right. the gospel mm-hmm. destroys opposition to creational reality. Yeah. you know they're not uh, they're not wrong that if if freedom in Christ is preached, is believed, is received by grace, then you are you are going to have a lot of people leaving this uh, this lifestyle. Right. Well, that, ironically,
0: yeah. you could say, based on what you've just said, that some of these progressive MPs and legislators are. Uh, and certainly the activists behind it, recognize the implications of the gospel mm-hmm. a lot more clearly than many Christians. Yeah. Mm. They recognize that the claims of the Christian gospel, of, of Christ and of his word, militate against their lifestyles, their desires, their radical autonomy, and therefore they want it stamped out. This is what Diocletian did right back in the time of the early church. This is what mm-hmm. This is what pagans have always done. Right, the, the, the notion that when we we allowed as Christians the repaganization, the radical secularization of our society, that it wouldn't lead here to criminalizing our beliefs, uh, th- uh, that somehow the state is some sort of uh, neutral apparatus, um, that uh, that liberalism um, is some sort of neutral uh, political machinery, this is a delusion. It's a that's the myth, and there's never been a more um, uh, overtly and brazenly religious bill, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because it takes a theological perspective on, <laughs> as as it must, mm-hmm. on human yep. identity. Right. Yep. Right. So it's just uh, the legislation of paganism, mm-hmm. and which will, of course, criminalise um uh, Christians, because the ultimate goal of this is the God, is the logo, is the logos, is the logocentrism of the Word, who says you don't get to pick your pronouns. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the uh, in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was uh, nothing was made that was made. So the Creator, who is the Word, who defines even the grammatical structure of our language, uh, so that there are laws of grammar, uh, this normativity, everywhere it's found is being they are striking out at in our society. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's the Olympic Games and, uh, and, and you know, tr- so-called trans athletes, and so it, whether it's sports, use of bathrooms, uh, the, the definition of family, what uh, who, can, um, who can be the parents, inverted mm. commas, you know, the contract of four, four unrelated yeah. people in Ontario can contract to be the parents of a yet unborn child. All of this is striking out at every single point Against any form of creation or normativity as oppression, because it fundamentally is rebellion against God. That's what it amounts to, and it's a utopian, uh, it's a utopian ideology.: mm-hmm.
2: Joel, I'm going to uh, switch gears a little bit here so that we can get to some of these questions. The questions are fundamentally and conceptually related, so I'm glad I uh, appreciate you guys sending them in. but uh, some
1: collaboration there.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, we sent out a survey. <laughs> uh, Joe, this one, uh, this one is uh, for you personally. Uh, the question is on the relationship between law and gospel, asking whether Dr. Boot affirms the distinct roles in the law versus the gospel, so, namely that the law cannot save a person but serves as one of its purposes to drive men to the gracious gospel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I think it's unhelpful to set up the question as law versus gospel. That's the dualism that we would reject. Right. Mm-hmm. So the law is never opposed to gospel. Um, the, the broader way to think about this from a reformational standpoint is the kingdom of God. And uh, the, the kingdom of God, the good news is the evangel is the announcement that the king is on his throne. That the the king has come, that he's building his kingdom, and that you need to repent and believe the gospel to enter into the life of the kingdom of God. And in the life of the kingdom of God, um, we enter into covenant with God, and the covenant uh, concerns both law and grace. There's law and there is grace, there's mercy. So uh the the covenant law is given uh by god and of course it's revealed to moses it's affirmed by the lord jesus christ in the sermon on the mount uh and of course the law condemns because we're all sinners i paul says i would not know sin but by the law so the sin is lawlessness so to understand what sin is we need to know what god's law is to know that we're violators of god's law uh and uh covenant involves both law and blood so the law comes as we've often said before on the program with sanctions and the wages of sin is death so the 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 penalty for violation of god's law ultimately is is death is separation from god and so the grace of the gospel is that the lord jesus christ has paid the debt for my lawlessness he redeems me paul says from all lawlessness And he redeems me from the curse of the law so that the stroke of death that is owed by me because of my violation of God's law is borne by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I stand in his righteousness. And this is what, of course, we mean by uh, being justified by faith. We're put right with God through our faith and our trust in the substitutionary atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ who bore the death stroke of the penalty of the law in my stead in your stead so uh the gospel involves both law and grace and um Paul, of course, makes this clear when he teaches about the Lord's table. In fact, he says we shouldn't come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner if we've not repented and put things right in terms of God's law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we come in an unworthy fashion. We're eating and drinking judgment on ourselves where he says mm-hmm. some of you have, 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 uh, have grown sick and some of you have even died, fallen asleep, he says, uh, because you've come to the covenant meal in an unworthy manner. Fashion, which means we are in a in an attitude of repentance in 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 regard to God's covenant with us, that the blood of Christ, which cleanses us from all sin, is honored and respected. That when we participate in the bread and in the wine, we are recognizing the fullness of the covenant, both law and grace. Which is why in traditional liturgies, uh, the part of the communion service, take the Book of Common Prayer, for example, in the Anglican tradition, involves. Uh, repeating aspects of the law. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And this was part of our confession as God's people historically around the Lord's table. So the the issue we have is not that um, uh, we don't recognize that the law has a peculiar function and... um, the reformers actually talked about the, the functions of the law. One is to act as a tutor, as a schoolmaster, to lead us to Christ. Because if you recall, when some of the, um, uh, in, the, in, the, in the synoptics, you see some people coming to Jesus and say things like, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say, well, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? Um, or accept, believe, commit. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he says, what does the law say? and they rattle off a few of the commands. He says, do this and you will live. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of a gospel message is that? (laughs) Uh, Well, the point is that the the law there is being used as a schoolmaster, as a tutor, which that when the law is put before us, we recognize that we cannot obey it. Mm -hmm. In our, our own sinful state, we cannot obey it. What's happening in our sanctification in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is we're being conformed to the image of his son. So we we are being increasingly, uh, by the work of the Spirit in our lives, the old man, you know, Romans 7, Romans 8, the old man, which is at war with the new man, is being uh, brought into submission, is being subordinate, is being mortified would have been the language of the Puritans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is being yeah. put to John death. Owen so that we live in terms of the righteousness of God's law. Mm-hmm. So yes, in terms of the questioner, we're not saved or redeemed by the law. You don't, the law is like a mirror. You don't wash in a mirror. The, more, the, the law shows us our condition. We wash in the blood of Christ. That's what cleanses us from our sin. And then, so the law is not the source of life. It is the way of life. The source of life is the 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 death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews eight, uh, Jeremiah thirty one, the new covenant in the blood of Christ. Uh, the the law is now being written through in this process onto our hearts, so it becomes our desire and our delight. It's not a burden. It's not grievous to us. It's our delight, desire, and our delight in the gospel because Christ is restoring us. So we're not washed by the law. We're washed in the blood of Christ so that we can live in obedience to the law. So the law is a tutor. It's a schoolmaster. Um, uh, it's uh, it's also then a benchmark or a measure of our sanctification. So the reformers spoke of it as something that helps us to, not only leads us to Christ, to show us that we need the redemptive work of Christ. Remember, these two things came together for the Hebrews, uh, the children of Israel, they got both the revelation of the law and the instructions for the temple mm-hmm. and the sacrificial system at the same time. Mm-hmm. So law and blood uh, coming together. And so uh, the, the, the gospel is conforming us into obedience to God's law. So it's first a tutor. It's a mirror as a measure of our sanctification. And then it also is a restraint on evil. So the third function of the law is, is to restrain wickedness and restrain evildoers. Uh, so yes, uh, that distinction is very important. Um, that it's the law is not the source of life. It's the way of life. This is the way walkie in it. Uh, look at Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is, and this is what the prophets called the people of Israel back to It's what the Lord Jesus wants to conform our lives to, to obedience. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, love God, love your neighbor. This is a summation of the whole law and the prophets. This is what, it means to live the Christian life, but you cannot be saved by legal obedience because not a single person, except the Lord Jesus Christ, fully obeyed the law perfectly. And so that's the tutorial work of the law, and then it helps us in terms of our sanctification to walk in the way, uh, the the way of life. And uh, the, the the fact is, is that um, the the restraint of wickedness is also part of the gospel. So what we're doing here is we're saying, forget the law gospel dualism, forget the law gospel separation. The gospel, the good news includes the gracious gift of God's law. God's law is a gift of grace to his people. This is the way of life. This is the way walk in it. Do this and you will live. Mm -hmm. So it's not the source of salvation, but for the believer now, it's the way of life. It's the, it's the way in which by the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our sanctifier, the Holy Spirit is, leads us, teaches us, enables us by his grace and power to not live in condemnation for there is no condemnation. Um, for those who are in Christ, for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So now in Christ, I'm not condemned, but I am brought under conviction by the Holy Spirit who helps me To live and walk in in obedience to God, so the gospel includes the gracious gift of God's law, and that's why the dualism is inappropriate. This Mm -hmm. law versus gospel, or law and gospel, no covenant Mm -hmm. is always law and grace. Right, it's what they come together. So part of the good news is that the kingdom of God is here, and the King uh, redeems us, and He gives us His law. And he calls us into obedience in his domain. Every kingdom has a law order, and that's his law order. And that's part of the joy of the Christian life. Mm -hmm.
1: And quickly to close here, Joe, uh, this actually uh, leads right into the next question, this dualism that you've mentioned many times. um, But how has Greek thought Mm -hmm. influenced how the church now thinks about law and gospel? And you, you mentioned right off the top that even phrasing the question law versus gospel presupposes a dualism. Yeah. So as I,
0: as I as I lead into that question, let me just quote what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1. He says, But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately or lawfully. It's what the word legit there means. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals. For slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me, or in accordance with the gospel. So the gospel includes the gracious gift of God's law. In other words, the good news of the kingdom includes that gracious gift. Now, in Greek thought, what happened was that we've talked a bit in When We dealt With The Ground Motives about the nature-grace synthesis, where there was an attempt to take the Greek idea of nature and put the Christian idea of grace on top. Mm-hmm. And the Stoics had developed, the Stoic Greek philosophers had developed a, uh, an idea of natural law, of a, of a law that was um, sort of inherent, if you will, in the universe and which all rational men could access through reason. Uh, and uh, the 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 Greek view was that in in this um, uh, that, that, that 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 you could build an, an empire of man, uh, if you want uh, to use a more modern expression, a parliament of man, a kind of universal humanity, around this idea of reason and of uh, natural law, um, a, a, a law just somehow abstract and inherent. In the universe of which people of right reason, their mind, in which their minds participate, they can access. Now, when there was an attempt to Christianize that and synthesize it with the with the with the Christian message, we got this um, dualism developed of nature, the Greek idea of nature and grace, and in the lower story were things like law and politics and culture and education and so on. That's the that's the nature pole. And grace, and of course the state is in that nature pole as well, and then grace is the church and spirituality and the, the, the special revelation of scripture and so on. And it was said that basically nature is fine as far as it goes. Human reason is good as far as it goes. It can take you to, uh, and certainly in, in, in Greek thought, in the synthetic thought, even in, in Aquinas, it can take you to, the state's task is really to bring you to moral rectitude. And, um, uh, through uh, natural reason, natural law, and then to come to the beatific vision, to come to uh, grace, to come to paradise, you need the portal of the church, um, and the uh, the 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 ministry of grace there within the church, and special revelation. Now. You can see how this would drive an ongoing, this scholasticism, this synthesis attempt between nature and grace would drive a law gospel division because God's law is put in the realm of nature. and um, That's not really gospel, you see. That's not uh, that. That's down there in the lower story. That's not the area of grace, and so you couldn't you couldn't possibly suggest that people should be called to live in terms of God's law, and that culture and the state is somehow obligated to the standards of God's law, because that's the realm of grace. That's the that's that's for the church. That's for Christians only. Uh, that's for um, your your personal spiritual life, uh, but not for. the the realm of nature, because that should be, you know, the laws of the state and so forth. These should be based on laws of human reason, Mm. natural law. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get this, uh, this reinforcing of a, of a law gospel dichotomy as though, uh, what has grace to do with law? What's gospel got to do with the with the with the with the thunderings of God's law at Sinai? How, how can that possibly be related to the kingdom of God and you know the gospel? No, no, no. And the notion that you could ever even suggest that the the, 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 the culture, the political life, or the state be is accountable to God's law? No, no, no. That's a conflation of the law gospel dichotomy of this dualism, and that's exactly why we've got Bill C four. Mm-hmm. If you want to end there, yeah. I mean, bottom line <laughs> yeah. is. Uh, That man's natural reason will lead him to his his pagan ideas. Mm. Um, It's only the uh, creational norms are discerned only through the lenses properly, through the lenses of and adequately through the lens of the of, of scripture, through the revelation of God in and through Christ. And human beings were never left at any point in the history of man to their own reasonings. God spoke to our first parents and walked with them in the garden. Mm -hmm. There was always what we call as theologians a special revelation. And so uh, this sort of um, two kingdoms, Mm -hmm. dualistic, nature, grace, scholastic idea, um, reinforces this law versus gospel, Mm -hmm. which basically sort of says, law bad, Mm -hmm. grace good. Um, (laughs) and uh, That sort of of a sense of you know, this is, grace is in the upper story, law is in the lower story. Um, And to talk about God's law and its relevance or importance makes you a Pharisee who hasn't really understood the grace of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Only by a strong emphasis on God's law do we actually understand the meaning of grace.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Joe, the fact that this law-gospel dualism can lead to the passing of something like Bill C-4 is certainly a sobering thought. Indeed. But uh, thank you for that. And uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, any, any final last-minute sarcastic comments from you, Ryan? No, I spent them all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I met <right>. right. quota. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for listening this week. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, reminding you that from Him and through Him and to Him, are all things to God be the glory.